Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In the previous program, which focused on Putin's Russian regime and his adventure into Ukraine, not limited just to Crimea, I referenced significantly an article from the Daily Signal, and it was entitled, Russia Field-Tested Hybrid Warfare in Ukraine, Why That Cyber Threat Matters for U.S. And that was put together by Nolan Peterson of the Daily Signal, their man in Ukraine, and wherever all else they assign this roving reporter I touched on what I thought were the most important instances, the most important references uh, for purposes of this program. But I commend that article to you because there is much there and it is well deserving. It was originally published October 27th, 2017, from Kiev, Ukraine. I followed that up with mentioning this terrible, devastating cyber attack with this particular engineered malicious software program that was named or codenamed or nicknamed NotPetya. And the devastation that that, that that wrought, not just in Ukraine where it was focused, where it was targeted, it was intended to destroy the technological infrastructure in Ukraine to cripple Ukraine. Fascinatingly enough, though, the way things are nowadays, it quickly managed to reverberate well beyond Ukraine, throughout Europe and around the world, causing massive, massive destruction of that ilk, which was estimated to be in excess of $10 billion. And this NotPetya was engineered by the Russian military. It was determined that that was its origination, was from the Russian military. And that it was an act, it constituted an act of cyber war. Well, United States intelligence agencies confirmed this last February that it was, in fact, 
or rather February of 2018, that it was courtesy of the Russian military under the leadership of their commander-in-chief, Vladimir Putin. But again, it was intended for Ukraine. But it was not well controlled by the Russians, and it caused great destruction far beyond its intended target. So what would you call that? Would you call that collateral damage on on just a behemoth scale? I don't know. But these things that have been going on in Ukraine, this hybrid warfare from Russia, from the Russian military, from some would refer to Russia as a power. The truth is superpower, Russian Federation, gangland regime of Vladimir Putin. Its intent was to cripple and destroy Ukraine and to be able to take it over in mass. Even as Hitler targeted Sudetenland in Czechoslovakia. And once he had that firmly in his grip, he just rolled on through the rest of Czechoslovakia that was not nearly as easily defensible as Sudetenland. Sudetenland were there was a very significant German population as Crimea has a very significant Russian population. The parallels are just unmistakable. But that being said, Ukraine has been almost, almost a war game for Russia. The invasion of Ukraine, what Russia has done to Ukraine, or Ukraine, if you prefer, in Ukraine, it has been on the order of a war game. They have been, the Russian military has been perfecting, fine-tuning their cyber warfare, their hybrid warfare, which entails much more than cyber warfare, as I described in the previous program. And in the hybrid warfare, the focus is on something other than technology. It is making use of technology to the nth degree. But the focus is on command and control of the target of the enemy. Well, the United States military and all militaries operate on that principle, command and control, and overwhelming force. (laughs) These are things that certainly were evidenced in Russia's war, unofficial war against Ukraine which continues to this day. But the focus 
was on, again, taking over the entirety of Ukraine, subverting the government, shutting down all communications, shutting down the infrastructure, the power grid, the banking systems, the government crippling it. And deceiving the population into thinking that the Ukraine government or Ukrainian government was responsible for the great loss of life of Ukrainian people rather than the Russians. Remarkable. But lo and behold, One of their agendas in the mix of taking over the government has always been to put their own people, to put Putin's people in charge of Ukraine. This goes back a significant period of time. It has been one incident after another after another. And the most recent incident is the extremely recent presidential election in which the incumbent, who was only in for one term, was deposed, you might say, by a newcomer who had zero political experience. But... That newcomer, he has media experience. Now, if you want to go and try to make a a case for there being some similarity, any similarity to one such as Ronald Reagan, it just doesn't hold at all. But that case, various different creative people tried to make that case with regard to Donald Trump, that he was like, Ronald Reagan, second coming of Ronald Reagan, even though zero similarity in anything that mattered. But this fellow, who has now taken the place of Petro Poroshenko, the previous president, this fellow, Volodymyr Zelensky, known as Z, (laughs) no, not Zorro, but Z, Volodymyr Zelensky. He is an actor, a comedian. I've also seen him listed as being a screenwriter and a director. I don't know about that. May well be, but he certainly is a class clown. And His political experience, his non-political experience, has been confined to playing the role of president in a TV series. And (laughs) it's it's just remarkable. But he is the front man. He is the performer. You could say puppet, but I think that's... I said it in the previous program, referred to him as a puppet. But 
I think he's going to be more. He's going to prove to be more than a puppet. But certainly the power behind him is what matters. But he won an overwhelming victory in a runoff election against Poroshenko. An overwhelming, massive victory. And shockingly enough, <laughs> you will no doubt find this to be very surprising, that uh, one, one instance it stated that a group of young people emerging from this polling station said they had all voted for Zelensky. Isn't that shocking? that young people should gravitate to this comparatively young fellow, 41 years of age, but who comes across as much younger than that, (laughs) much less mature than that, that he should galvanize the support of young voters. Isn't that tremendous? But during the campaign... What, what was Z known for? Well, for being a performer, from being a comic, a stand-up comic. He offered next to no information whatsoever about his policies or his plans for the presidency. And, of course, he had no track record whatsoever to reference. None. Zero. Nada, zilch, non-existent. So what did his campaign consist of? It consisted of viral videos and stand-up comedy gigs and jokes. How do you like them apples? He makes Donald Trump look like a sober, grave experienced leader by comparison in an extremely dangerous place, dangerous situation. Very sad, really. It's, it should be very, very troubling for any people in Ukraine that have any sense. This one woman stated, my nephew has been on the front line in Donbass. What kind of country would put a clown in charge of its armed forces during a war? Well, not to liken British leadership following World War II to that of a clown or a group of clowns, or a clutch of clowns. But, of course, Winston Churchill lost his prime ministership within five weeks of victory in Europe Day. Within five weeks, he was out. The British people were tired of the war, understandably. They were tired. They were exhausted. They were bruised and bloodied. The nation had suffered terribly. And 
especially its young men and middle-aged men and what have you, but also its civilian population had suffered terribly. And they were tired of the war and they wanted to put the war behind them. So they voted Winston Churchill's party out of power. And what a terrible, terrible, horrendous blunder that was. Regardless, I know there are any number of great detractors of Winston Churchill. And I have my own issues (laughs) with him, despite my respect for him in other regards. But it was a horrendous, horrendous change of leadership. So much so that they ended up bringing Churchill back to power sometime thereafter when it was too late to undo the damage that the new government had done. But, such as what it did to Israel, then known as Palestine, No thanks to Britain, the Jewish people who had survived World War II, survived the Islamist invasions of 1948. No thanks to Britain. Britain actually brought it about. Britain saw to it that they had no weapons to defend themselves with, and so on and so forth. Just unspeakable what the Brits did, but... I digress. But during a war, to put a clown in charge of the armed forces, someone with absolutely no political experience, no military experience, someone who is known as a clown, as a class clown, someone who campaigns by doing stand-up comedy gags and jokes and wins with viral videos which win over the young people. Well, speaking of Britain, Britain's Labour Party, I believe it is, that uh, has been working to bring the vote, the popular vote, to 16-year-olds. Yes. Truly. But anyway, Z, Z Man, Volodymyr Zelensky, yes, he has someone in his corner, to put it mildly. And the man in his corner is a bit of an opposite. <laughs> I referred to him errantly the other day as a Russian oligarch. I apologize. Uh, For me, uh, the term oligarch (laughs) goes with Russia, even though oligarch is from the Greek, nonetheless, these exceedingly rich, powerful businessmen with political power. (laughs) It just, the term oligarch to me, is Russian, but he is not Russian. He is Ukraine, but he is 
many things. And uh, he's in his mid-50s. But he has experience of a sort. But before I get to him, Igor Kolomoisky, uh, this Z-man has very close links to him. Why? Well, Kolomoisky, believe, is the owner of the television network. <laughs> I know he is. Of the television network that uh, employs Z-man, Zelensky. And even though after Poroshenko, Petro Poroshenko, the president, dubbed Z-Man as being a puppet of Kolomoisky, and Z-Man denied it strenuously, turns out that many of the top people in Zelensky's campaign also are tied to Kolomoisky. Just, you know, coincidence. Nothing more than that, just coincidence. So, again, pertaining to Volodymyr Zelensky. You know, a year ago, when we hear about oh, a certain young congresswoman that... Two years ago, she was a bartender and so forth. Well, here we have a year ago, Zelensky was what? He was a comic. He was a character from a TV series. And in that TV series, he became president by chance, by lucky accident, after a video recording of him ranting against corruption went viral. Isn't that strangely appropriate? Now, Ukraine is, even as, as Russia is synonymous with oligarchs and with corruption and with Russian mafia and with, ironically, yeah, I, I think many people still identify Russia with unattractive women. They have beautiful women, from what I can see, but these things that they're synonymous with, you know, the phenomenal ice hockey success until the miracle. (laughs) And the miracle on ice. And phenomenal figure skaters and so forth. And powerful military, which... For many years, from before, I would say, predating the fall of the Soviet Union, but certainly following that, for many, many, many years, here in the United States of America and other enlightened nations, the military of Russia was made out to be some rusty, decrepit, incapable operation or organization. And whatever problems there were, it was never that. But it may have been a wounded bear, but it was still a bear and a very dangerous one. And Vladimir Putin 
gangster-in-chief, he has done a very capable job of strengthening and empowering that military. And they are a superpower. But here we have this Zelensky. He becomes president in a TV series as a result of a video recording going viral. I mean, that by all means, that could easily translate to presidential race 2020, couldn't it? After all, we have the tweeter in chief right now, Donald Trump. So uh, this could be the YouTube in chief or something. I mean, absolutely could. Well, when when the results were in, he celebrated. On stage, he jumped up and down repeatedly. And he high-fived his team. Yes. Outstanding man. So what else did he do during the campaign? Stand-up comedy routine. Jokes. And viral videos like that viral video <laughs> referenced here from his TV series. And what else? Drum roll, please. He continued to film his TV series. That's right. <laughs> hey, you know, he didn't need time for other things. He could just continue with his TV series while he was campaigning for president because it's such a lark, you know. So he continued to film his TV series and to tour the country as the front man of his comedy show. That's how he campaigned. And the vast majority of those who voted, voted for him. Incredible. Truly incredible. But Poroshenko, meanwhile, he was weighed down with this war with this hybrid warfare that Russia was waging against Ukraine, with Ukrainian servicemen dying and being grievously wounded, with the nation being crippled financially courtesy of Russia's hybrid warfare, cyber warfare. But Zelensky played... He fiddled while Ukraine burned. And the majority of those who voted rewarded him for it. That's right. One term for Poroshenko. So what of this man behind the front man? Igor Valerievich Kolomoisky. Probably a very poor pronunciation. Apologies. But he has triple citizenship. Ukrainian, Israeli, and that from Cyprus, Cypriot. Lives in Kiev, Ukraine, when he's not living in Geneva, Switzerland, and elsewhere. 
very wealthy, but <laughs> do not think in terms of Jeff Bezos here, okay? A tiny fraction of that kind of wealth. He was appointed governor of a province of Ukraine, and then he was removed after one year. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't do a good job, but he was removed. Poroshenko removed him. And (laughs) I saw one comment concerning him, and do not take this to mean (laughs) that this is what he was like, and this is a bad paraphrase. I read it once. And it was, somebody was saying, I don't care if he rules like Hitler as long as he keeps the Russians out, as long as he keeps them from invading. It was an interesting quote. Uh, But again, I'm misquoting it. I'm paraphrasing it. It was something like that. But this man co-founded a bank which ended up handling one-third of the banking business in Ukraine, and uh, he has a nickname that some people use, Benya, reminds me of a little of uh, Bibi Netanyahu, (laughs) Benjamin uh, Netanyahu. But he, this name, that Benya, is a Russian-Jewish name, and there are Russian ties to Kolomoisky, and yet uh, the, the statements, the official, formal statements from Putin concerning him are, are certainly less than flattering, <laughs> you could say. But uh, the man, very talented, very intelligent, and a serious man, unlike his political candidate for whom he is mentor and benefactor. And how he came to be governor of this one province, uh, he was named, he was appointed by Alexander Turshinov, who was acting president back in March 2014. And then again, Petro Poroshenko removed him a year later. But this man has political experience and was known as being extremely tough, extremely tough on keeping Russia out. This was this province, eastern most Ukraine. And interestingly enough, he put together, he created how many different battalions, volunteer battalions, Um, one in particular, but he funded another half dozen of them. (laughs) And uh, anyway, what I've read on him, I am impressed. Not unimpressed, impressed. And yet his candidate, the one that he mentors, the one that he is benefactor for, unbelievable, a horrendous choice, but electable. And you know, the major parties here in the United States of America, they focus on what? (laughs) I've mentioned before years ago, (laughs) a couple decades 
plus ago now, I took a great deal of political training. And uh, no, it was not from Saul Alinsky or the Saul Alinsky school of subversive political activism or something like that. No. But in case you were wondering, no. But it was stated, and I was appalled at this. I was horrified at this. I was so disappointed at this. But there were two qualities that the major parties sought in candidates, in recruiting candidates. That the person sell themselves, that they be able to sell themselves, promote themselves. Not all by themselves, but that they be absolutely committed to that, dedicated to that. Well, (laughs) Donald Trump, (laughs) he is that in spades, self-promoter-in-chief. And the other one was that they be fundraiser, that they be able to raise money. And again, (laughs) that's Donald Trump. Didn't mean to speak about Donald Trump right here, but that's Donald Trump. He's always been great at using other people's money, which is why he's a natural fit for not just politics, but for governance and everything else there, is using other people's money, getting other people to buy in, to pay for things. So, but those were the two outstanding qualities that were needed. Well, here in Zelensky, we have someone who absolutely can sell himself, entertain the masses. You know, let's dumb this thing down. Let's have somebody who just is at the lowest denominator possible to reach the masses. That's what he is. Instead of the likes of Viktor Yushchenko. Viktor Yushchenko, who unfortunately only served one term. And that was from 2005 through 2010. Viktor Yushchenko, who Putin had his assassins do their best to murder repeated attempts and one of them very very nearly succeeded and he was poisoned with a dioxin known as TCDD and at the start of treatment for this which didn't take place until three months later His concentrations of this in his body were 50,000 times higher than those found in people. 50,000 times stronger. Even though his body should have been excreting this stuff in the meantime, after three months, it was still 50,000 times higher. But he survived. He survived. He was campaigning for president at the time that he was poisoned. He was poisoned in Kiev at a dinner. And an outstanding leader, brave, courageous man, 
and an inspirational leader. But no, Ukraine would rather have a stand-up comic who campaigns by (laughs) doing his television show, his television, you know, sitcom, and doing stand-up comic routines. That's what they would prefer. Now, back a ways, so uh, I should tell you when, again, this, this was 5th of September, 2004, when he was poisoned. And again, he served from 2005 through 2010 as president of Ukraine during, again, scary times in Ukraine. But back some time ago, also, but not as far back as that, back in 2014, five years ago, then U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry stated that Jews in the Ukrainian city of Donetsk, think Crimea, were recently given notices instructing them to officially identify themselves as Jews. That's right. The notices bore the name of Denis Pushilin, or something like that, the chairman of Donetsk's temporary government. They were distributed around the Donetsk synagogue and other places, And they ordered the Jews, 16 years of age and older, to report to the Commissioner for Nationalities in the Donetsk Regional Administration. That's right. The same as in Nazi Germany. Before I go any further, let me just say I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right, true, good in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, failing is due to me. So what is the significance of all of this? What does it all mean? Well, there was an autopsy done recently of a former Russian press minister, Mikhail Lesson, or Leeson, who died mysteriously in his hotel room near Washington, D.C.'s DuPont Circle back in November 2015. Okay, well, he arrived in the United States of America to speak to the FBI. to give testimony to the FBI. Now, his death was ruled by that, you know, most outstanding police force, Washington, D.C. Metro Police, ruled, you know, accidental. He got drunk and he fell down and died. Problem is, (laughs) the autopsy finds that His neck was broken, multiple bones in his neck broken, including ones that it would be impossible to have broken from the assumed fall. Yes, 
But <laughs> so he also suffered blunt force trauma. <laughs> Repeated blunt force trauma. But this man, who had been extremely close to Vladimir Putin, was assassinated in Washington, D.C. in November 2015. He was not poisoned. Why is that? Well, they did not want to use something telltale, something that would speak of Russian assassination. Many times they do when dealing with others like this man, but who are not actively involved in uh, speaking to the FBI in the investigation of of the Russian regime. Many times they want the world to know that they have reached out and assassinated this person or that person abroad or at home. But here they didn't want that to be known, so they did it differently. Instead, they strangled him and beat him to death. That was 2015, November 2015. So right at the end of 15, heading into 16. Well, March 23rd, 2017, Denis Voronenkov, a former Russian legislator, was assassinated in Kiev, Ukraine. This time, it wasn't poison. He wasn't strangled and beaten to death. He was shot seven times. His bodyguard was shot twice. But (laughs) he fled to Ukraine after Putin's regime brought charges against him, which they do against all of their opponents. Well, the Ukrainian government granted him citizenship. And he subsequently provided evidence against former Putin puppet President Viktor Yanukovych, who then who fled to Russia after, who had already fled to Russia after the Ukraine parliament removed him in February 22nd, 2014. But interestingly enough, Denis Vornenkov stated that he was a target for assassination. He stated that hours before he was assassinated. Again, in Ukraine, in the capital of Ukraine. Meanwhile, (laughs) even more recently, a journalist from Russia, Arkady Babchenko, He was tipped off. He was in Ukraine. He was tipped off by the Ukrainian Secret Service, Ukraine's SBU, 
that they had learned of a serious plot to murder him two months prior. And they warned him about it one month into that. And the plot originated in Moscow from government security services, namely the Kremlin, which is the seat of government, not just of the GRU, former KGB, but Putin, his regime. And the Ukraine security showed him evidence. He understood the gravity of it. And so together with them, they faked his death. They faked his death to the world. What I was shocked at, though, was that just such a short time after this, that then he held a press conference and he told the world he was still alive and that he had had to fake his death in order to prevent being assassinated. I just, I think that was a bad move. I think he should have stayed dead, but... Anyway, this Bobchenko, he wrote for a liberal opposition newspaper, Novaya Gazeta. Six correspondents, six journalists, six reporters of Novaya Gazeta had been assassinated prior to this. This is the way that Vladimir Putin operates. This is his nature. Again, seize all communications in Ukraine. See to it that you have a monopoly on communications. All communications coming into Ukraine are from Russia. You shut down the power grid. You shut down the banks, the ATMs. You cripple the government, cripple businesses, causing them not to be able to function. This has been the nature of the war that Russia's been waging against Ukraine. Why do it that way? And again, using massive propaganda to sway the population. Why? So that you can get, you can manipulate, you can cause the civilian government to welcome you in, that you will be their liberators. (laughs) You'll be their champions and heroes to take over the nation instead of having to look to the world like you are an aggressor cut out of the same cloth as Adolf Hitler. Perish the thought. Well, our president, Donald Trump, he placed a call or received a call, not sure which, (laughs) just here this past Day, that's right, last, I don't know when you'd be hearing this, but in this case, this was yesterday. And he had a very good, very long conversation with President Putin of Russia. Yes, getting along with Russia and China 
and everyone, such as North Korea, Saudi Arabia, what have you, is a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. A very, very good conversation with his, that's right, his BFF, Vladimir Putin, in which they discussed various things. We intend to do a lot of trade with Russia. He would like to do trade, and we would like to do trade, and so on and so forth. It's exciting that our president has such a firm grasp (laughs) on these things, that he has such keen understanding of the nature of Vladimir Putin, of Xi Jinping, of Kim Jong-un. He understands what these men are like, right? Well, one former news analyst for Fox, retired Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters, he happens to think he's not sure, he hopes he's wrong, but he thinks, he believes, and he's convinced that Vladimir Putin has a grip on President Trump. And I understand where he's coming from. I don't necessarily agree with him, though I know it it could be true. He said before he became a candidate or president, Donald Trump was the perfect target for Russian intelligence. Here is someone who has no self-control, a sense of sexual entitlement, an intermittent financial crisis. I mean, that's made to order for seduction by Russian intelligence. And that's all true. But, and he, he went on. (laughs) speaking of how Donald Trump invariably fails to criticize Vladimir Putin. Meanwhile, he criticizes NATO and Canada and the EU and Britain and what have you. So it is interesting. But then a pal of Putin's, who's known as Putin's chef, Evgeny Prisgozhin, something like that. Well, he runs the Internet Research Agency. He was indicted by special counsel Robert Mueller concerning use of this Internet Research Agency, which is in, located in St. Petersburg, which is where Vladimir Putin is from, where he got his political start. And it is known as a uh, troll farm. Troll, not like fishing, but again, for the, via the Internet. And uh, the indictment pertained to using that to launch an influence operation with the aim of swaying the 2016 presidential election in favor of Donald Trump. An influence operation. If you remember the other day with regard to the hybrid warfare Influence operations, they date back to the Soviet Union throughout the Cold War. They were a staple of the KGB's work, along with assassinations. Well, if Putin's regime already had powerful, compromising, incriminating material on Donald Trump, it would have made sense to seek to move him into the White House, right? And thereafter, to be able to control and manipulate him 
have him be their Manchurian candidate, if you will. I do not believe that that's the case. I don't believe that's what happened, even though I absolutely, totally agree with the reasoning (laughs) concerning this, as stated by Ralph Peters. It is absolutely true that Donald Trump perfectly fit the profile of the ones that they go after. I just don't believe it happens to be the case. I think it comes down to greed and and seek to seeking to uh, enrich himself uh, his family uh, via Russia but I'm Brad Thomas and this is after all is said and done after all is said and done then we will know won't we but perhaps we can know now if we choose to thank you <laughs>